Hello, I'm Blair Lemke. Welcome to Let God Speak. Disease, sickness and pain can sometimes cause us to question if God is there and make it difficult to experience the rest that God desires for us. Far from being distant in our pain and suffering, Jesus brings rest to our lives through acts of healing. Our Bible study today will reveal this. On our panel today, we have Rod Butler and John Cosmeyer. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. As always, let's begin our program with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word today. We ask that you would lead and guide us into truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, gentlemen, today we're studying the theme of rest. We're continuing our Bible series through rest. uh, And we're looking at rest, particularly in the context of suffering and pain. And Rod, I want to throw the first question to you and ask, how is this study of rest relevant uh, to this concept of disease, sickness and pain? Well, we need, we need rest. Um, so our bodies, if we've got physical pain and illness, so our bodies can rally their immune system. And we also need mental rest because sometimes when we have lingering pain, which goes for some time, it causes stress. So rest is important both for physically healing, mentally and physically. Yeah, if ever there was a time where rest was important, it's when we're sick in some ways, isn't it? Uh, And so it's comforting to know that Jesus is well equipped to deal with our pain, sickness and suffering. And so we're going to be looking today at two accounts in Scripture of uh, suffering, pain, sickness, these sorts of things, and, uh, and how we can find relief from that pain. So the first account, biblical account we're going to look at is in Mark chapter 2. You can turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 to 5 together and look at this first account here of Jesus healing a paralytic. So let's consider what God's Word has to say today. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, nor even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Verse 3. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when he had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven to you. This is uh, quite an interesting account that we read about straight away here. And John, I want to throw the question to you uh, and ask what, what instantly jumps out to you from this biblical account here of, of Jesus healing the paralytic? Friends. <laughs> here he was a paralytic and we find that they must have heard about what Jesus could do and what he would be able to do. And so they took him to Jesus because they believe that uh, their friend could be helped. I'd like friends like that. Pretty good friends, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rod, I want to ask you the question, you know, what this idea of friends, um, friends that helped this paralytic brought him to Jesus. What application can we draw from this for us today? Well, I'd like to just refer to verse five where it says, when Jesus saw their faith. 
So these were friends which um, you know, took this person to Jesus and Jesus saw their faith. There's 30 instances uh, of Jesus healing in the Bible uh, where someone brought um, a friend to Jesus for healing. And um, Luke 4 verse 40 talks about uh, people brought their sick to Jesus and he healed, healed them all. So today, as Christians, we have an obligation um, to bring people to Jesus if we know they are, are sick. Yeah, and, and what, a, what a fantastic uh, application for us today and what a fantastic place to bring our friends to, to Jesus who is able to, is well equipped to deal with those sorts of things. John, what other uh, lessons can we learn from this story that we're reading about here? Blair, reading verse 4. When they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof. <laughs> Fancy having friends who were so persistent mm. to get to Jesus and to take their friend to Jesus that they pulled the roof off the house. So it must have been an interesting roof that they could walk on and yet they opened it up and let his friend down. Mm. It's no wonder that Jesus took some notice. Yeah, well, you know, and this is actually such a good point to be drawing out here, I think, because when we're talking about this idea of healing, of sickness and these sorts of things, healing, sickness, relief from pain, it doesn't always come immediately. It doesn't always come easily. And so persistence is something that is often needed in these sorts of situations. Uh, and, and we see the friends were, you know, they relentlessly pursued Jesus mm. and took uh, their friend to see Jesus as well. And, and their faith was rewarded. I mean, obviously the, the sick man had a degree of faith as well to come with his friends. But I love that verse that you drew out for us, Rod, where you said that it, be, Jesus saw their faith as a collective. They were showing faith to God by doing this act. And so fantastic point to draw out. Uh, Rod, I want to throw another question to you from this passage here as we're reading about Jesus healing. Uh, how does Jesus respond to this interruption, so to speak, to his preaching schedule. Uh, if we were preaching in the middle of church and we had some mob run in and interrupt us, we, you know, it might be quite the unusual scene. How did Jesus respond to this, this setting, Rod? Well, again, as you say, in verse 2, it says, and he preached the word unto them. And you, you put it in context. I mean, imagine you're there, as you say, you're preaching a sermon or you're preaching to people and suddenly you see some activity above your head and you see people are being lowered through. Uh, it's, it would be quite an interruption. But Jesus uh, welcomes the interruption. He just doesn't care what, he's, what the people are. He just goes and addresses the situation, the need that's at hand. And I think there's a, there's a message there for us too as Christians because sometimes people come to us mm. and they've got needs or they need help. Um, and we're busy. Mm -hmm. So the message should be, we also need to put aside what we're doing and attend to people's needs. People are very important. Mm. And Jesus illustrates this by, yes, he was preaching to a crowd. He's interrupted, but he welcomes interruption mm. because it's an important thing. Mm. I love that idea there that Jesus is never too busy mm. to care for our needs. Uh, it's, we, can, we, we don't need to burden ourselves with this idea that coming to Jesus is a burden to him mm. or that is, you know, some way... Uh, interrupts what he's doing. He, Jesus makes time for us uh, in all of our 
burdens that we carry as well. So fantastic um, lesson that we can draw from that. I want to keep reading through this account here. Uh, We're going to read verses 5 through to 11, the rest of this account, and draw some more ideas out. So let's read it together. Uh, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Uh, John, I want to throw a question here to you on this passage that we've just read. Uh, How did Jesus go about healing the paralytic here? We've just read the, you know, how they broke into the house. And then in these these last few verses we looked at, we've seen the method that God used to heal these men. Uh, What was the first thing that Jesus did as he as he healed these this man here, this paralytic? He gave the paralytic a tremendous amount of faith in believing in Jesus because Jesus was able to do something which he badly needed first. His sins had obviously caused the sickness that he had. Mm. So Jesus dealt with the sin Mm. and he said, your sins are forgiven you. And this man knew that Jesus was the saviour that he ever so badly needed. Mm. And this is where dealing with sin And then with the health problem, that was the way in which Jesus dealt with this particular case. And so I find that very interesting because what we see Jesus doing here is going straight to the root of the problem. Yes. Uh, What we often do is go to the symptoms and try to treat the symptoms and, and, you know, the outward signs. But Jesus knows that the the root problem that this man is suffering with is sins. And so he straight away comes and and communicates to him your sins. He deals with his sins. Your sins are forgiven you. Uh, Rod, this seems like quite an unusual approach uh, to to healing. What is Jesus trying to achieve by pursuing this course of action, do you think? Well, it's an unusual approach today because we just want to pop a pill and be Mm -hmm. be well, but it's dealing with a symptom. Whereas Jesus dealt with the underlying causes. Um, Biblical healing was healing the whole person. And Jesus knows that to heal the whole person, you've got to start in many cases from the inside. And with this particular man, Jesus knew that what needed healing first was him inside, was the forgiveness. And once he had done that healing, then of course the body with the mind, body, physical connection, the body could heal itself. So the inner healing prepared the way um, for the rest of the body to be healed. And, of course, in the story, in the presence of Jesus, this man then got up and he, he rose uh, from his bed and walked. Mm. Yeah, wow, what a powerful, powerful result of, as Jesus dealt with his sin. Uh, in this man's instance, as, we, as we're reading about him and as we're discussing, his sickness was caused in his life as a result of sin uh, in his life. But while we know that not all sickness and disease uh, is, is caused by sin. Although sin, I, I suppose, ultimately in, the, in a large sense, the ultimate root cause of all sickness is the fact that sin is in the world. God didn't create mm. a world to, that was supposed to have sickness, pain and suffering and these sorts of things. So in an ultimate sense, you know, sickness is caused by sin. But that's not to say that 
every person that has a sickness is a direct result of a personal sin in their life. Uh, and so I want to ask you, John, what is the root cause of, of sickness in our lives? Uh, or are there several that we could discuss and think about? There's, uh, I've got a short list here <laughs> of possible causes of illness, and one of them is genetics. Another one, the environment in which we live. Try staying warm in the South Pole. <laughs> uh, we can have uh, the choices of others. You know, somebody's made a decision and it's affected us, and that can bring on uh, illness. Just look at me. And you'll find that ageing <laughs> oh, with the wisdom, can, <laughs> wisdom. Can, can be a cause of illness as well. And uh, a few of my friends have succumbed lately and it brings sorrow. But that, that's the life that we live. And then another one, which the Seventh-day Adventist Church has given a very good, at least a partial answer to, and that is our lifestyle choices. Mm-hmm. The Seventh-day Adventist Church runs a health program which educates people in what to do and what not to do in order to stay physically fit and, and be as well as you can under the circumstances. And, and so there are various ways in which illness affects us. But in this case, a man sinned and he came to Jesus and Jesus healed him. And Jesus can help us in healing whatever the cause of the sickness may be. Mm. Yeah, I think that's such an important point to make because... Uh, a lot of the time, lifestyle choices do affect our health and our, and, and our, you know, how well we're feeling, whether we're suffering in pain. Uh, it's not always the case. Sometimes there's things outside of our control. And so we need to be a bit cautious in terms of, you know, assigning a reason for why the sickness is there in someone's life, perhaps. Uh, but seeking to try to understand the cause of the sickness in our life can actually help us to cooperate with God in the healing process. Mm. Uh, and as you say, there's those uh, these powerful health messages that God has given to us through his word uh, that, that help us to cooperate with God in healing, bringing healing and, and a relief from pain in our lives. And so uh, what an incredible account we see here of Jesus healing the spiritual and the physical uh, pain that this man was suffering with, this paralytic. Uh, but of course, not all of our requests for healing from physical pain uh, are always answered in the same way. And so, Rod, I want to throw a question to you that I'm sure many of our viewers are thinking or have wondered about perhaps at some point in their life. How can we find rest, which is the, the topic of our study today? How can we find rest and peace even when our prayers for physical healing are uh, aren't answered, at least not now, in the way that we would hope and expect? That is a, that is a very good question. Um, well, we know in the case of the paralytic, the paralytic obviously wanted physical healing, but God knew that he needed um, spiritual healing. Um, when we have, we're in afflictions, trials, and we have all these things happening to us, if we have peace, peace in our soul, that enables us to uh, withstand uh, the, the various ailments or afflictions that we have. And we get that peace in our soul from having a relationship with God. God promises us that he will uh, give us peace, the peace that passes all understanding. Mm. And of course, when you have peace in your mind, peace brings healing to the body as well. So we all want to be healed immediately. Sometimes we'll be healed immediately. Sometimes God does answer that way. But sometimes he doesn't. And when he doesn't, 
and you know the resurrection morning that's when our healing is when he doesn't we have to dig deep with our faith and that's why um, it's so important for us to have that relationship with God and we'll get that peace that we're in his hands that he's in control mm. and I love what you're drawing out there and I think it's so important to understand that Jesus primarily desires for us that spiritual healing uh, where we will be able to be in the earth made new where all sickness and disease and sorrow and pain and suffering is taken away. Uh, and so the person who is able to rest spiritually in Jesus will be able to endure whatever, uh, you know, physical or temporary sufferings may be a part of their life here and now. Uh, and so what a, what a good God that he deals with the, the, uh, <laughs> the, the root problem uh, before and helps us to endure the physical suffering as well. I want us to turn our attention now to our second account of, uh, in Scripture that we're going to look at today. Uh, we're going to look at the account of Elijah in 1 Kings. And uh, Elijah stands out in Scripture as a man of sterling faith who you know, was brazen and just so bold in his faith, came before God and uh, in answer to the prayer, he saw the fire come down from heaven. He withstood uh, you know, the enemies of God and did all of these r miraculous things, was fed by uh, ravens. And was just, it's just, we see Elijah and we think, what a man of faith. Uh, but what we find uh, is, and you know, it'd be easy to think that who, who, what, what could shake Elijah's faith. Uh, but the account we're going to look at today, we see actually an instance where Elijah was, uh, was shaken to some degree in some way. And so I want to uh, take a look here at the account in 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, and we're going to read verse 1 to 5 together. We read in God's word, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Uh, right there as the fire came down from heaven uh, under the unction of God, he, Elijah was commanded to uh, slaughter all of the, the false prophets there. Uh, and so uh, he see Ahab was told by Jezebel what Elijah had done, verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of all them by tomorrow, about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. Uh, and he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And he said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and he slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. John, I want to throw a question to you. Uh, why did Elijah react in this way to Jezebel's threat that we've just read about um, after such a great experience of faith? Blair, it's amazing what weariness will do. He had just run a marathon in the rain mm. was so weary that he was sleeping against a brick wall. And then he was woken up and somebody said to him, listen, man, you better get out of here because Jezebel wants to kill you. Now, he had just taken part in killing 750 of her prophets. Mm. So he decided that it was time for him to get out of the danger zone. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, it's such an important point to bring out here because um, what a grueling 24 hours those would have been. Terrible. Th that situation. Uh, but um, 
you know, Elijah fell into this, this, these low thoughts uh, to the point that he prayed to God even to take his own life. Uh, and I think there are many people today that could relate to this sort of sort of appeal that we see Elijah making here. Um, and uh, in some ways, you know, people who have struggled with depression and these sorts of things, which is such a, uh, an issue to, in today's society, would find a, a, a relation here to, to the way Elijah is responding. And so I want to um, throw a question to you, Rod. Uh, I think many people can relate to this, but we haven't always done a good job of talking about the theme of depression within Christian circles. And I want to ask you, Rod, uh, why that might be the case. Well, you're quite right. Um, there's a lot of depression in the community. I mean, in our community, um, with the signs of what's happening in the world, people are depressed. And I believe the statistics are in our country that um, one in five people will have a depressive illness uh, in their lifetime. And it's, it's also affecting young people. But in the Christian church, uh, it's, it's not handled well simply because people often, uh, when they view someone with a mental illness or depressive mm. thoughts or being low, they equate that with having a lack of faith. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're feeling low and someone then thinks you've got a lack of faith, that's like a double whammy. Mm. So we have to be very understanding to people who have depression. We've got to reach out to them and we've got to look at their needs and help them um, and not question their faith. Um, people, when they're in that situation, they're quite vulnerable. And that's one of the reasons why. I mean, back in, in uh, Elijah's time, if you had um, a disease or a problem, the people thought that's because God's judgment was you, you must have been a sinner. Well, in some ways today, the sort of similar thing is if you've got depression, you've got no faith. Mm. And it's interesting, you know, uh, we, what we see here is a mighty man of God, a mighty man yeah. of faith who has a moment uh, here where he even wonders whether he sh his own life should be taken. And so, you know, you can have faith and still have difficult, challenging times uh, and, yep. and, and question these sorts of things. Um, I want to throw a question to you, John. What can we learn about Elijah's experience here? It's very simple. God came and he visited Elijah and then he gave him something to eat. Then he gave him something to drink. And then he said, now sleep. There's, there's so much wisdom there, isn't there? All uh, we have to do is just visit people, give them something to eat and to drink, and then give them a reason for resting until such times as they're able to think again. There are, there are things that God can offer. If, if you're struggling, if there's anyone struggling with depression watching this show or, mm. um, you know, th these sorts of, there's, there's solutions to deal with these problems. You don't, we don't, mm. uh, God offers, you know, solutions mm. to be able to move forward and receive healing. Uh, and so what a, what a powerful thing to, to be able to experience Elijah. God speaks to Elijah in that way. Uh, now, we see Elijah here running away from the situation, trying to remove himself from the the scenario that he was threatened by. Uh, and often we too can run away from the situations in our lives that are difficult or that can lead to low thoughts um, rather than actually dealing with the problem. Uh, and so I want to throw the question to you here, Rod. Uh, what are some of the imperfect solutions that we run to instead of addressing root problems in our lives? <laughs> well, we, we run to things which will distract us from the pain and misery we're in. So we might run to the refrigerator and uh, and engorge ourselves with uh, ice cream. We might uh, throw ourselves into our job to forget about life and just do our work. 
we might decide, well, it's all too hard, I'm just going to be in the fetal position and go to bed and sleep. Or we might um, decide that um, let's self-medicate, let's dose ourselves up with tranquilizers or uh, sleeping pills. These are all things people do and they will not solve the problem. Mm. But God does have solutions to these problems and he does offer healing and help for us. Um, but it can feel sometimes we're in these lows that God is not near with us. Mm. And so I want to throw another question to you, Rod. Uh, what assurance do we have that God is with us uh, in whatever challenges we face in the lows in our life? Well, I'd just like to refer to a, a Bible text. Turn with me to Psalm 34 and I'm going to read verse 18. It's Psalm 34 and verse 18. And it says, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. So those people, I'm reading from the King James, that a broken heart, people who are down, people who are depressed, God is right there. He will save them. So when we are down and people say, where is God? Well, actually, he's right there with us. We have to remember that. And he wants to save us. Yeah, what a, what a beautiful thing. Um, in the rest of the account here in 2 Kings, uh, or 1 Kings, I should say, we see that Elijah is sent, uh, you know, God knew that Elijah had been tired from this running. And in verses 5 uh, through to 8, we see uh, God uh, sending him to go run again, which is quite interesting after he's stopped running. Uh, and um, I want to ask you, John, where is Elijah told to run uh, and why is he told to do it? He was told to run and go into a cave and then God appeared to him in God's way. There was a fire, there was big noise, there was lightning. But in verse 12, it says, And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Mm. And that is what we can listen for when we feel like Elijah did, because God is there willing to help us and to save us because he's promised to us for a better tomorrow. Mm. I love that. And I I love that still small voice that God comes and brings healing through. And I love in verse um, uh, verse nine or 10, I think it is where it talks about the Mount of Horeb. He's to, oh, verse eight, he's told to run to Horeb, the mountain of God. Mm. You know, when we're low, we can, we're sent to run to God, uh, which is what a, what a fantastic solution. Um, Rod, this is not the finish of the story for Elijah. He uh, has somewhere, so he's, he's called to still do more things for God. Uh, and so what do we see that God has still in store for Elijah after this experience? Well, God has a lot of work still to do for Elijah. So even though he's been down, God's got work for him. It says here in uh, verses 15 and 16 of 1 Kings 19, it says, And the Lord said unto him, Go to Damascus, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and to Jehu, the son of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. So he had to then still go and anoint kings. Mm. He knew that Elisha was going to be his successor. God had work for him to do. And ultimately, he is translated in the future and taken to heaven, uh, to the heavenly rest, which is we know is in store for us too today. Well, that's all that we have time for to read through today. But thank you, gentlemen. Uh, Through suffering and pain, uh, though suffering and pain is a reality in a fallen world, God offers healing to you and to I today. 
He promises that he is close to the brokenhearted and that the person resting in him will be able to endure any suffering that may befall them in this sin-sick world. Won't you rest in him today? We're glad that you were with us today on Let God Speak. If you would like to watch this program again or any of our past programs, you can go to our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also download our teacher's notes there. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.